Amen. We say that over and over again. Um, God is so good in so many ways, and I am so thankful for all that he does in our lives. Um, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians, and I'm, I'm reading the text today, so some things have changed just recently. I'm going to start on page 976. Um, the sermon is uh, called Four Rules of Communication. These are basics, okay? And, and there's theology that's kind of hard, and sometimes we have to wrestle with it. But these four rules of communication are not so deep that you can't understand. A child could understand that. And, and you're going to see what they say, and hopefully we apply them to our lives. So that's where we will be in Ephesians uh, chapter uh, chapter one is where I'm going to start. That's on nine seventy six, and I think as we look at things, you know, sometimes we think, "Oh God, you're asking too much of me." You know, you want me to do what? You want me to give what? When we start off in chapter one, what has God done for us? And I'm going to have to go through this very briefly because I only have uh, so much time. But if you look at what God has done for me, and he asked me, and there's um, chapter 1, 2, and 3 are basically what God has done for for us. There's two prayers. I'm going to cover that also, but this will be very quickly. And yet we'll go then to chapter 4. Uh, four, five, and six is basically all about what I need to do because I'm a believer. So if you're in chapter one of Ephesians, verse three, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who's he blessed? Us. In Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Okay, we start off with what God has done with us. Then he has this prayer in verse 15. Think about all what God has done for us, what God has done for the people around you, your family, uh, what he's done for them, and how you will communicate to those people that God has done this for. Here comes the prayer. For this reason, Ephesians 1.15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Paul is saying, I remember you, what value you are, that the God of your our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What? are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Think about that. As you're communicating with people, inheritance, the riches of the saints. Saints are not some old person. Saints is anybody that becomes a believer. That's what we need to remember. As you're communicating with somebody, you need to think, this person saved riches God has. 
How can I help them recognize their richness that God has given us? <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, no, yeah, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in what? Love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How can I communicate with people that I know so they recognize the great love God has for them? The word stupid doesn't probably come in there. You idiot doesn't probably come in there. Words that are going to say, we're going to say things to people that are hopefully going to be encouraging. Chapter 4, we're going to start off there, and we're just going to do one, one uh, verse there. I, therefore, because of what God has done for me, not what I have done, be, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He says urge. Let's go down to verse 17. Now, this I say, I like better in the translation, the NIV, it doesn't say uh, this I say, it's going to be similar, but he says, I insist. I insist. But he doesn't say, I command you to do this. He does not say, you must do this because I'm the Apostle Paul. There's the word urge and insist. Because it's all about our hearts. It's all about our hearts. So the Indiana State Police, and I didn't bring, I don't have a ring binder that is thick enough, but it's, it was about so thick, and it's called the SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures. And the problem, you, you have a nice Bible that's all fixed, and pages are not pulled out and stuck in. In there, they, we had pages that would be pulled out, and you would put new pages in there. And, and you would sign a statement that I read all those things and I understood them and I'm going to do it. See, they really didn't care whether you honored them. They just cared about obedience. And Paul wants you to recognize that it's not about I got to obey because this is where we're going to get into trouble when we start clamming up. It's about obeying and honoring our God. And we want to do it from the heart. We have to do it from the heart. So last week, no, two weeks ago, uh, Chris talked about he wanted you to grow, uh, join a small group. And, and I, I think it's great you grow, grow, uh, join a small group. I would encourage you, that would be a nice start, but I would encourage you, because I read a lot of books, to find some books to read. <clears throat> You know, if, if you don't know what to buy your parents uh, this next year for Christmas or their birthday, and you're one of the children, it, this is a great book, Parenting with Words of Grace. Oh, that is so good. Now, if you have a, uh, one of the other parents, your, 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 your spouse is not doing so good, <clears throat> you, you don't say, hey, I bought you this book, now read it. You say, real simply, that you're going to learn how to communicate in a way that really honors God. 
I thought this book applied to me. And I would like for us to read it together. I think it would help us as being parents. And, and what you do not do is say, okay, let's talk about it and communicate it. And, and, and you start the first session where you're talking about chapter one and you spend two hours on it. Uh. Or you start by saying, you know what, you're not doing that, you're not doing that, you're not doing that. 15, 20 minutes? Could I have 15 to 20 minutes of your time? Can, can we look at this book? How can we be better parents? And what have I learned out of it? Not what you need to learn out of it. And then we start becoming the better parent, whether our spouse does it or not. And remember, this sermon, this sermon is not about your spouse, not about your kids, not about your neighbors or other people in the church. This sermon is about you. It's directed to each one of us individually. You can't change other people. You can only change yourself. And when you change yourself, you have the opportunity to minister to other people and work on their change. And so this message is for you, each an individual. This message has been a message for me for many, many years. But I would encourage that. This is a great book. I just taught on, on this book on suffering. Wonderful book. What's life? Do we suffer in this earth? Yeah. It is a great book um, by Paul Tripp and what he's gone through. Um, I love this book. I taught on this book also, Overcoming Bitterness. The, the person that worked with me on that this, this uh, class, he co-taught after the first session, said, I don't need that book. I can't be helpful. Then started reading some more and said, I need that book. I need to change. Um, one of the other books, uh, you got Spouse, when, when Sinners Say I Do. Oh, when sinners say I do. That's, that's a whole bunch of us in here. And recognizing what we need to change. Beautiful book. Counseling from the Cross by Elise uh, Fitzpatrick. And then, and this is only a couple books. Uh, the Peacemaker. How do I communicate? How do I resolve problems? How can I do that? I'll have them up here front at the end. And you can look at it, or you can ask me any question. You can ask me any questions about the sermon. I don't understand. Um, sometimes when we do things and, and I say things, um, I don't do everything. So you have a question about it. Part of it is um, when we talk about children, the, the, the simplicity of parenting is very simple in Scripture. You need to train them to honor and obey without exasperating very simple. Hard to do. Okay? I didn't say, but simple. The, 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 the communication is today is simple, hard to do. But in that, we can't, with these four rules, expect that you will, because I preached this sermon before, that you will reason with your five-year-old. No, they're supposed to learn to obey and honor. And when they say things back to us that are not so good... We don't get angry. We recognize they're not honoring us. Okay. So we are going to begin in verse 22 on chapter 4 of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 22. And I'm going to read all the way to the end of verse 32. And Paul writes here, 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehoods, let each one of you uh, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands, his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fit the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let us bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for what Paul wrote, and yet it came from you, God. Thank you so much. This applies to our life. This can make us this little light that shines wherever we go. May we be different because we understand your word and we have applied it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have two little cartoons here, comics here. And hopefully they'll be coming up. I guess not. Um... Anyway, don't, I guess they're not coming up. Okay, let's, um, in this text that I've just read, Paul talks about putting off old ways and putting on Christ's way. In these verses, he gives us four vital rules for communication to solve problems. These rules are to be used in all our relationships. All our relationships. Let us uh, learn from them. And I'm just going to tell you what the comic was. Um, it, it's a really simple one. Um, there's an uh, older man with his wife, I presume, sitting next to him. And he says, in the moonlight, your teeth look just like pearl. Ah, that was nice. And she says, who's pearl? And when were you walking in the moonlight with pearl? Somewhere lack of communication. The second one was, and we'll think about this later in this uh, text. My words came out fine, explanation point. They were processed incorrectly by your brain. Three explanation points on there. We, we, We need to recognize it. Communication is so, so important. And I'm going to go back to Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
I like the NIV where it says it's the wellspring of life. Okay? The wellspring of life. If, if you want an example of what a wellspring of life is compared, think about going to, there's a well in, in, in uh, Fishers or drinking pure water that's cool that came out of the refrigerator or water that came off your house down the downspout and put like maybe a five-gallon bucket there and, and let it sit there and then drink that. No, no, I don't, I don't want that. The wellspring of life. Your heart is so important. How important is it? It says, above all else. Uh-oh. Above all else, what are you to do? Guard your heart. Okay, think about this. So when it was, the temperature was about 70 degrees, you didn't think about, oh, I'm not going to turn on the air conditioning. I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to leave all the windows open, and I'm going to leave the doors open. I'll just open them up so there'll be a nice breeze coming through here. And maybe you can do that more out in the rural areas, but where I live, no way. Um, and, and it'll be cool. No, no, we would never do that because we are called to be good stewards, and that wouldn't be a good steward because when you came home, probably things are going to be missing. And if you do it very often, probably lots of things are going to be missing. And yet, he says, guard your heart. That's the most important thing you need to begin to do. You need to begin to guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Legalism says, I must do this. Paul said, I urge, I insist. I urge, I insist. Because if it comes from here, there is change. If it's legalism, there's just a hard heart that doesn't understand what you're trying to say. You only want what you want, and you then religiously look at yourself. You know, I'm so great. I've done everything. I've done it the right way. And pride is not where we want to be in communication. So you have a quote on your paper. Um, as I said, I, I like reading books. And the, the book is, uh, the quote is from a book called Seasons of Waiting, Walking by Faith When Dreams Are Delayed. And it's by Betsy Childs Howard. I don't know who she is, but I really like the book. And notice when, when she's communicating. So what's waiting like? Patience. So what if she would say uh, this simple, Seasons of Patience. Ooh. Uh, walking in patience by faith. Uh, when dreams are delayed. I probably wouldn't have bought the book. But this sounds good. Seasons of waiting. She writes in that book, she writes, When a trial comes my way, I assume that God has sent it and that he wants me to learn something from it before moving on to the next assignment. If we look at our problems in our house or at work, or our neighbors, whatever we have, whatever problems we have, came my way to purify my heart, to work on my heart to make me change. She says, this kind of thinking helps me trudge. What's the word trudge mean? Think of about three feet of snow, walking through it. Trudge. This helps me uh, trudge forward in the hope that the trial will end shortly if I play the role of attentive student. In other words, if, if I'm doing what God's called me to do and I'm following it, the problem's going to go away, right? No. And she, you know, you're not supposed to start a sentence off with the word but. 
but she makes a very good point here. But this kind of thinking does not serve me well when God takes me into the school of waiting. I don't like to be in the school of waiting. I don't like to have to learn patience. But if I do, I can minister to so many people. This is where God wants me to be. He wants me to change my heart so that I will be different. So rule number one is speak the truth in love. Some people say, uh, speak honestly. I'm going to go back in four, uh, Ephesians 4.15 and pick up speak the truth in love. When you talk to somebody, when you share with them, and they understand what you're telling them is good for them, you have such a better chance of them listening to you. Normally, when I tell somebody something, children, you need to do this, this, this. That's about, it's better for me. But if I can, with an adult, talk to them and tell them why something is good for them, and I have the word truth in there, not I just tell them what they want to hear, speak the truth in love, that is so essential. So Wayne Mack, the author of Strengthening Your Marriage, has written many other books, uh, says the one of the most basic requirements of good communication is mutual openness and honesty. There must be honest listening and speaking if problems are to be solved. Notice this mutual, mutual openness. What I would encourage you to do, the next time you get in fight with somebody or your spouse is going to be harder at work, but during that time, hopefully the Lord convicts you or you recognize you're not doing something and you teach your spouse or your kids and you say, I need five minutes. And you go into this room that's in your house. I think most every single house here has one of these rooms. And you go in there and it's got this great big mirror usually in there. And that great big mirror, you start talking to yourself and you start talking to God. And you go back and forth and you recognize what you have not done right. And I didn't say what they have done wrong. I said what you have not done wrong. Okay. Most people call that a bathroom. And we all have those, right? A nice mirror. And what else are you going to do? Well, at least I don't do anything else in there, in, in there besides another thing, one thing. But normally when I walk in the bathroom, all I'm going to do is I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to talk to God. And it's a great, quiet place to go. It's a great, wonderful place to go. And it would be nice if the spouse or whoever you're having a conflict with, that means you've got to train your children, to go and talk to God and look at yourself, am I doing what God wants me to be? And, and that word mutual. If, if after that conflict, you come out and say, look, the problem for our conflict is this is what I've done wrong. And the other person says, this is what I've done wrong. Where's, where's that conversation going to go? It's going to go where it needs to be. Okay. The problem is, I do it and the other person doesn't. Normally, that person's probably not going to want to open up that way and, and take blame. They're going to start hiding it. And so we, as Christians, need to recognize when I fail. I need to learn to speak the truth in love 
And yet, in that, I really need to have a heart that's thinking about the others. And when I'm fighting, I'm thinking only about myself. So he says here uh, in 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Uh, Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehoods, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay. Thoughts of mind are only known to oneself. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Hmm. So I can't tell. I can sometimes guess what they're thinking, but if I say, uh, you're angry at me, and they say no, I'm probably not going to know, and I'm probably not going to know why. It also continues, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. I don't always have to understand everything that God's trying to get me to do. Number two there, nonverbal communication must match verbal communication. Think about this. I'm not angry with you. It's got to match. I'm listening to you. It's not happening. And and, and they both have to go along together. And and we must match that. We must really begin to understand that through honest communication about the facts. Um, Also, honesty is more than um, not lying. Uh, Lynette's mother, who was a Sunday school teacher for 50 years, hated this tie of her husband's, and he loved it. He loved wearing it. And so one day, he walks in there, and he's going to get his tie out, and it's missing. And he asked his wife, have you seen my favorite tie? And she answered, Where did you put it? Well, I thought, and she tells me the story, and she says, I didn't lie to him. And I said to her, you didn't tell him the truth. We need honest communication covering the whole gamut of the conflict. How can I be honest in a way that I can help that person understand where I'm coming from. James 1.19 tells us, it's a great verse to memorize, great verse for uh, your kids to memorize. Uh, My dear brother and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. This probably means very, very important. Everyone, who does that cover? Everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is where we need to be. Because if I have anger and it's elevating, what normally comes out of my mouth is not something I thought about. It's something that I've stored up and it's harsh and it's hitting and it may be truthful, but truth is abrasive. Truth can. So you walk into your children's room that's not cleaned up and say, you didn't clean up your room because you're Lazy. You're just a lazy person and you can't do the most simplest thing. That's brazen. It may be true. Doesn't matter. 
But I want to say things in a way, parenting with words of grace. How can I speak to them so they understand what they're supposed to do? Uh, Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Oh, wow. How do I give an answer? Quick to listen. I can't solve a problem unless I understand what the problem is. Slow to speak. I'm not allowed to offend people. I'm not allowed, even if it's truthful, I must learn to slowly speak and think about things that are helpful for them. I must do that. Rule number two. Remember, if you have any questions after the sermon, please ask. I'll try to give you as much information or help you understand it. Rule number two is keep current. Ephesians 4, 26 and 20 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Okay. We must begin and understand we can sin in our anger or we don't have to sin. We have to understand them. I am so tired of listening to the news and people saying, People just need to learn to deal with their anger. They need to learn how to deal with it in a correct way. That's not what the Bible says. And and I understand, because that's what I was taught as a police officer. You need to deal with your anger. No, the Bible doesn't say that. It says, recognize, is it righteous or is it unrighteous? If it's unrighteous, what do I need to do? Confess. I need to confess that anger. If it's righteous, I say, <clears throat> that's uh, .001 in my life. It's normally the unrighteous. I really need to deal with my unrighteous anger. And in that finishing James 1.19, it says, My dear fr- brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I've heard over and over again, unless I get mad at my kids or get angry, they won't do what I want them to do. They may do it on the outside. They may be obedient. But where is the honor on the inside? Anger, unrighteous anger, they see our unrighteous and anger, and that's not where we want to be. We don't want to provoke our kids. We don't want to provoke anybody. Pastor Viers um, writes this, and this is where we, we need to deal with um, overlooking. There are some times where we need to hold our tongue. So we need to speak sometimes. Sometimes we need to hold our tongue. Why do we need to hold our tongue? Because... It could be something that happens that is not in the norm of that person. It's not their norm. So, so uh, an example, uh, a young man uh, is in a hurry. He got up late. He shouldn't have got, uh, stayed in bed. And he runs in there and eats his breakfast and he leaves the dishes on, on the table and he takes off. He's been doing it every day for the last three months, right? And now on this one day he forgets. I don't need to go and say, you know... You didn't do that, and your mother has to do that. Why can't you get that right? Can I overlook? There's times when I can overlook things that are helpful in the long run. 
I can overlook things. It tells us in 1 Peter, for a above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And in that covering over of sins, I must grant forgiveness. I must not store up. If I store up, then there will be a time when I just blast that person. You didn't do that today. And they say, well, I was in a hurry. Well, you didn't do it two weeks ago. And I'm recording. Love does not record. Wrongs. And three weeks ago, you didn't do it. And I give them no grace at all. How can I offer grace to somebody when I don't need to offer them the law? Pastor Byers writes this when you can't overlook if sin is hindering growth, or ca- that's in the person, or causing harm to the body of Christ, or the offender or situation is deteriorating rapidly, it is extremely unloving to fail to seek to resolve the problem. That means I need to answer. And there are six questions here that are things that we should ask ourselves each and every time. Do I have the facts right? That's from, we've already talked about Proverbs 18, 13. Should love overlook the sin? Just covered that. Is the timing right to share the sin? In other words, there are certain times when it's probably not going to happen. Uh, the husband has a big meeting in the morning. The wife has a big meeting in the morning. Uh, the, the children have a certain big morning, meeting in the morning or big test that day. Is the timing really right? Should I, I, I maybe postpone it? Is my attitude right towards the sin? Uh-uh. That means, am I really looking at not what I want to accomplish, but what I want for them to accomplish about it? I'm speaking the truth in love. Are my words loving? Rude is not an acceptable thing. There is no love there. Have I prayed for God's help? If I begin to recognize those things and ask those questions, I find what I should be doing. Should I speak or should I not? Now, let me just say this. We have four children. Sometimes in one of them, I could overlook and she would eventually get it. One other one, I could overlook forever and she would never get it. Some children are different. They, they are different there. Different spouses are different. You can't give advice to someone. Well, I overlooked that in my, in my spouse and tell that to somebody else. And they, they, oh, well, I should follow her. It works there. Everybody's different. How can I look at every situation? And the last one, have I prayed for God's help? Let me resolve these things by turning to God and asking that question. I really need to do that. Number three, attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4.29 says, this is a great verse to memorize also, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fit the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That's the ESV. I like the NIV better on this translation. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Do not. Uh-uh. Do not. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So why are you talking to them? Their needs. And why are you talking to them? That it may benefit those who listen. I have people that are listening to me, and I'm telling them something. This word corrupting or unwholesome comes from the root word rotten. So when I was in Germany and I did this, I took a piece of meat, I let it set out, and I got nice and stinky. And I offered it to some people. Would you like this? Oh, no! No, I hate that! No, don't get that out of me. We would never do that. But we're willing to offer our spouse or our kids rotten words. We need to look at the words we say and begin to think, before I say them, I'm going to think about them, I'm going to be slow to speak, and I'm going to address those words in a proper way, and that person in a way that we talked about God's made them, if they're a believer, that, that God has made them, and I'm going to have an influence on them in a positive way. Parenting with words of grace. Words can harm. According to James 3, 5 through 8, what is wrong with the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me? It is so untrue. It is so untrue. James 5, uh, 3, 5 through 8 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, uh, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Do I want to give my kids poison? Do I want to give my spouse poison? I'm going to say also, if I have employees, do I want to give my employees poison? Do I want to give my employer poison? Do I want to do this? And remember, poison might start out as just, you know, a little, little bitty here. Where does it go? It goes throughout the whole body and causes bitterness. And I don't know if you know somebody, you probably do, that is bitter. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be around normally bitter people. And yet, how do they get bitter? One of the ways is that we give them poison and it starts working on their heart. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. One of the reasons why we cannot tame the tongue is because when we become emotional, whatever is stored in the heart comes out of our mouth. So when I was teaching this verse over here at the juvenile center, and one of the kids, I said, you know, you have any questions? He raises his hand. My mother says she hates me. And then she says, oh, that slipped out of my mouth. I really don't hate you. When I store up hatred for somebody... Don't be surprised that it comes out my mouth. I really must grant forgiveness and I must grant 
often forgiveness, and I must not record wrongs. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. I am not to do that. Point B, people are not to be attacked. Remember what we talked about in chapter 1 of Ephesians. They are made in a certain way by their God. So according to Matthew 5.22, what did Christ say about cutting people down, calling them raka or worthless or fools? Oh, that's not where I want to be. God has made them in a certain way. And, and a lot of times, because I might be gifted in a certain area, I may push that giftedness, why can't you do that? I push it on, why can't you? I can do it. That's not the whole point. I'm supposed to help them, whoever I'm dealing with, help them to become the person that God wants them to be. They have other gifts than I have, and calling them worthless or fool is not helpful. Not helpful at all. Number two, when we attack someone as a person, who are we really criticizing? <clears throat> who created them? Mm-hmm. You know, God, if you would have made them better... Wait, we have a, a picture of that with Adam and Eve. And, and uh, the woman you gave me. Oh, man. God, you know, you really failed me. You gave me this wrong woman. Anyway, that's not where I want to be, and I don't want to say that to God. Point number three, what are some words... Voice inflictions, tones, and nonverbal actions that say to others, you are not valuable as a person. Sit here. And, you, you, oh, you want to talk to me? Okay, go ahead. Keep on talking. That's not aggressive, is it? Oh, oh it is. It's, it's saying, I really don't care what you got to say. Okay, you can tell me. Oh, yeah, I heard you. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll try to do that. No, I, I really need to look at things in a way that really are helpful. Number three, what are some words that say to others... Oh, no, um, uh, right under that, instead choose words that will help to solve problems, words that are solution-orientated from Ephesians 4.29. Describe these words and nonverbal actions as these that edify and give grace to those who hear. I want to think about how can I give grace. And the picture of the word of grace is something they don't deserve. So the difference between mercy is you deserve something and you don't get it. Grace has a picture of you don't deserve this at all and I'm giving it to you in a wonderful way. Rule number four. Act, don't react. In verses 31 through 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Hey, did he write this to the church? Well, that wouldn't be there, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Don't react. Don't react when our emotions go. If, uh, Genesis 3.12, we end up blame shifting. We don't take responsibility. We run away. How does Paul describe these Genesis 3 types of actions in verses uh, 31? When someone loves us enough to approach us about a need in our life, we can always find fault with him. 
but we will never solve the problem. Our growth by being a Genesis 3, or grow by being a Genesis 3 kind of person. So a friend of mine got a really, really nasty letter from his sister. He said, I don't know what to do with it. I said, was there anything in there that was helpful? And he said, you see that part right there? That was so true of me. That was so true of me. And, and I said, why don't you write back to her and say, in that area, not, just be, not being specific about all the other, but what you said here really means a lot to me, and I'm going to apply that to my life. Thank you for writing the letter. She was so encouraged by it. Now, she needs to have, not at that time, to understanding that, that just venting on somebody is not where we need to be. But, but if we begin to recognize, even if they're 98% wrong and they're 2% wrong, right, we can begin to learn what God wants us to do. Verse, um, part B, instead we are to act in, uh, Ephesians 4.32. Through Christ's Spirit, we must learn to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Changing habits is not easy, but it is much easier than the way of the transgressor. Oh, I don't want to be that. Changing habits may not seem simple, but we have great promises in the following passages. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So the conflict you're having, common to man. I don't look at, this, if I didn't have this such horrible husband or this horrible spouse or these horrible kids, common to man. Remember, God is faithful. God is near. We're praying about it. And what is God going to teach you? And how are you going to respond? God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, as I get into these conflicts, I need to be looking this way. And if I and my emotions are going, guess what? I need five minutes. And I'm going to evaluate where my heart is. And I need to make that change. Philippians 4.13, this is one of the most abused scripture. But it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not that I can do everything in the world, but in this, can I communicate in a way? If I put God first, can I communicate in a way that that is helpful for my spouse or my kids? I can do that. When I get this right and I start talking to myself in the mirror, I will start honoring the God and I will have then an influence on the people around me. And that's where God wants me to be. We must learn to be able to do that. Conclusion. Listening and loving, desiring to communicate, to solve problems, goes with each rule. Listening and lovingly desiring. we got to do that with the four rules. Number two. A desire to have a right relationship with God is essential to applying His principles. A right relationship with God is essential to applying his principles. I need to have a heart that says, and that's where worship comes in. You're God. I'm this little person. 
You've told me to do this. I need to be faithful. I truly, truly need to be faithful to you in every way.